Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That is Romans 12, verse 2. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. Hope, patience, and prayer, all prerequisites for adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers. Can I get an amen on that? Oh, gosh. Have you started your thankfulness journal yet? I talked about it in our last episode. It is never too late to start. Uh, This week, I am thankful for the amazing progress my grandson Killian has made and continues to make. Uh, There were some hiccups overall. He's been recovering from his heart surgery really amazingly well. Um, And at this recording, he is still in the hospital Uh, He is now off the vent and off the CPAP and just has a little um, uh, uh, air cannula there in his nose to give him some oxygen. They're bringing him down on all of his meds. I got to FaceTime uh, yesterday at the time of this recording, Thursday, the 10th of November, um, with him and his mom. And uh, he was smiling Uh, My daughter, Missy, was holding him for the first time in 11 days. She could actually hold him. Uh, And he's just making great progress. And we really attribute that to um, the prayer, the power of prayer and God's faithfulness. So if you've been following our story, um, of course, we we, um, it's all over. We have it on Facebook and Instagram. And on Facebook, there's a Killian Cardiac Warrior uh, Facebook page you can follow. I share from my social media um, so you can see pictures and kind of follow the whole story. Um, your prayers are uh, appreciated. Uh, if you're familiar with my story, if you've read my book, then you know about um, how my daughter Melissa came to our family through adoption, through a kinship placement, um, and how difficult that journey was. But um, really, the Lord has been faithful to just really give us, you know, a redo in our relationship. And um, just this, even this part, this difficult stuff has brought us closer. So um, it's an honor and a blessing. And I thank you for your prayers. And I am praying and believing that Killian and his parents will be able to be home uh, at their their home in Wyoming uh, for Thanksgiving. So if you're praying, um, if you would just add that to your prayers, we're going to ask for big things and trust and believe that we're going to get those big things. Um, so now Thanksgiving makes me think of Slava's adoption, our 17 year old son. Uh, when we arrived home from Ukraine uh, for his adoption, we came home actually on Thanksgiving night in 2010 um, with our rambunctious boy. He was a tiny five-year-old, but a force to be reckoned with. We were pretty sure that he had fetal alcohol syndrome. His impulsivity was a dead giveaway. Uh, But still, even with all of the challenges we faced over the past 12 years, um, and increasingly faced because it's, as you probably know, if you're parenting a teen 
prenatally exposed, um, definitely challenging. Um, but I'm so thankful for my boy. And I shudder to think where he would be today if we had not adopted him, especially with the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, my, my, my bad days are nothing compared to the misery his life would have been um, if, if he would have still been um, in Ukraine, if I don't even know if he would even still be alive, really. So, um, you know, record those things, the little things and the big things that you're thankful for. I find that thankfulness journals definitely help, uh, help me keep perspective uh, especially on those really hard days. So I encourage you, if you haven't started one yet, you know, start today just by writing down a couple of things that you're thankful for. Um, so I mentioned an impulsive boy, right? So speaking of impulsivity, <laughs> today I am going to continue my series on the primary characteristics of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and impulsivity is one of those characteristics. Uh, and that's what I'm going to focus on in today's episode. But first, here's a reminder about some amazing resources from JFO. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And also coming up in 2023, I'll be offering another free 45-minute lunch and learn introduction to FASD. We had a phenomenal response to the one we offered um, here this month in, in uh, November. Uh, so we will be doing that again. And uh, stay tuned because we are putting a facets training on the calendar. Um, I'll probably do one virtually in January. Um, and I'd like to get an in-person one if you're in the uh, New York area, the upstate New York capital region area. Um, I'd like to get an in-person facets training also on the calendar. So stay tuned. I'll be releasing specific dates um, and times for those. Stay tuned to this podcast, uh, our social media, and our website, justicefororphansny.org, um, for details as to dates and times um, for um, some of these trainings that are going to be coming up in the first part of the new year. I can't believe we're talking about the new year, but you know, it's almost Thanksgiving and you know, it's right around the corner. So, uh, we, we have included a link to our website in the show notes for this episode. So you can easily click and just check it out. It's all right there. Um, also be sure to check out our bonus episodes with Dr. Jared Brown. Uh, Dr. Brown specializes in trauma, FASD, autism, 
um, so much more. And this series of episodes with Dr. Brown focuses on topics of particular interest to us adoptive and foster parents. We talk about prenatal trauma, complex trauma, FASD, screen time, executive dysfunction, inappropriate sexual behaviors, working memory, cognitive flexibility. Oh my gosh, all of the things, right? Um, so uh, educational and informative, not only for parents, but I'm hearing from professionals in the field, special education teachers, social workers, people are getting so much out of these episodes. So if you have listened to any of them, or if you start to listen to them, let those in your circle know, let your child's school teacher know about those episodes, let your child's social worker know about those episodes, because um, they're so uh, educational, informative, taught by a doctor with a P uh, PhD and several master's degrees. Um, and we're just, we're really getting some rave reviews about those episodes. So make sure you're sharing those episodes with those in your circle. Um, what you're listening to right now is considered a regular episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. We we uh, release those on Mondays. The special series with Dr. Brown, they release on Fridays, so you won't want to miss them. Uh, we have taken a couple of weeks of a break um, from recording, so there was about two weeks where a new Friday episode didn't post, uh, mainly because I was in Denver for my grandson when he was having his open heart surgery, uh, and then our um, annual fundraising banquet for JFO. Uh, we just um, we just finished up with that, so it's been such a flurry of activity here that um, I my calendar was like overflowing, and I had to kind of put a pause. But I am recording this week with Dr. Brown, so a new one will post. We're going to do twenty episodes all together in the series. Uh, we are more than halfway there, so you can start listening, go back and listen to those first ones, um, but. Uh, they are really popular, so I encourage you to check those out. Um, and, you know, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss any of our episodes um, and let your fellow adoptive foster and kinship friends know about them um, so that they can be encouraged and equip, equipped as well. Um, now, today's topic, impulsivity a primary characteristic of an FASD, a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And if even if you, um, you maybe don't know if your child has an FASD, you don't know if they are prenatally exposed, um, you know, but even if they've had experienced trauma of any kind and our kids, if they've come to you through the foster care system, if you are caring for a relative's child, um, or if you adopted either domestically or internationally, um, there is a high likelihood there was some prenatal exposure. Um, but whether they're diagnosed or not, whether you know about it or not, even trauma um, is a um, you know precursor to impulsivity issues. So this episode will be very helpful to you, whether you know about FASD or not, but it will also open your eyes to FASD as well. And when it comes to impulsivity, this behavior is probably one of the most that parents, myself included at one time, we find ourselves disciplining and correcting and addressing, you know, we're even exasperated by it. Um, but actually, impulsivity is not a 
behavior. It's not intentional misbehavior. It's not defiance or disobedience or done on purpose to drive us crazy, although it feels like it. Um, impulsivity is a primary symptom of an FASD. Individuals with an FASD have difficulty anticipating uh, or considering the effect of their actions. They often say the first thing that pops into their mind without thinking before speaking. Um, it appears like they have no filter and they often do or touch the thing that's right in front of them. Uh, I used to say to one of my kids, what were you thinking, you know, when they did something yet again that I thought, you know, if they just stopped to think about it, they would have made a better choice. Um, you know, they wouldn't have done the thing or they would have done the thing they should have done. Um, but I no longer use that phrase with any of my kids because now I know it's not that they won't stop and think. Um, it's that they can't stop and think because the part of their brain that is responsible for stopping and thinking is essentially damaged. Prenatal exposure to alcohol changes the structure and the function of the brain. The cerebral cortex, hippocampus and corpus callosum, all those parts of the brain are impacted by prenatal exposure to alcohol. And that causes attention deficits, impaired executive functioning, information processing difficulties, memory problems, you know, poor personal boundaries, poor self-regulation. And all of these lead to poor impulse control. You know, and what does that even look like in the day-to-day well, I bet you could tell me a story or two, but I'll share a couple of mine, um, which I can laugh at now, but in the moment, extremely stressful for me. Um, just this summer, my 17-year-old with fetal alcohol syndrome decided to go on a bike ride while I was on a Zoom call. Uh, he had his helmet on and told me he was going to go for a ride up our road, which is a dead-end road. So I thought, you know, great, he's not going to be sitting in his room doing nothing. You know, great job remembering your helmet. Um, so off he went. He has an electric bike, which um, we helped him save the money for, and he purchased. Um, so, you know, that was made it easy for him to go anywhere, really. Um, and I was still on my Zoom call when he came back in, so I didn't even think anything of it. But when I ended my call, my son came to me and said, um, I have to tell you something. I rode my bike to the library in town. It's like four miles. I was just stunned. Um, four miles, a winding state road through a five red light intersection and down a main street in town. I I was even like in shock by the choice of going to the library because, you know, he reads at a second grade level, doesn't like to read. Why on earth would he even like, I would have never in a million years thought he would do such a thing. Um, you know, so I asked him, you know, like, 
why did you go to the library? And he couldn't answer that, but um, you know, what did you, what were you going to do? Like, what did you do? And, and he just explained, well, I um, was standing outside, not sure what to do with my bike. And the lady came out and I asked her, um, where do I put my bike? And she said, I have to lock it up um, in the bike rack and I don't have a lock. So I rode home and now can we go on Amazon and get me a bike lock? And, you know, I was trying to process what I was hearing. Again, not thinking he would ever do something like that. And like all of the dangers were going through my mind. He had no phone at the time, so no way to contact me if there was a problem. No ID on him, so God forbid he would have been in an accident or something. No one would have known, um, you know, who to contact or who he was. Um, and I didn't know where he was, so I wouldn't have ever even known or thought, you know. It was just so scary. He had no experience riding his bike in town no practice ever doing it. We never talked about what to do to be safe in such a situation because we never thought he would do such a thing. Um, you know, and like I said, I didn't even know where he really was. <sighs> it was dangerous on so many levels. But, you know, my son got the idea in his head, went and did it. Um, and now that he was back, he had no really clue or understanding about the dangers. He just was like, now I need a bike lock so I can do it again next time. You know, and I have to say that that morning we were reading a story. We do some summer reading, um, even though he doesn't like it. Um, and in the story, the kids in the story rode their bikes to a library. But like I said, never in a million years would I think my son would have been inspired to do the same thing. But for some reason, when the idea popped into his head, he hopped on the bike and pedaled to town, not stopping to think of the dangers um, or what he would even do once he got there. That's impulsivity, you know? And oh, there's more to the story because on the same day, on the way back from his library excursion, he paid a visit to the house next door. He let himself into the neighbor's house. I only know because the neighbor is my 30-year-old son, and he called me from work. Now, mind you, this was in the middle of me sort of like processing this information about the library bike ride, but my son called me from work to report that he had just seen our 17-year-old son on his puppy cam inside his house. Uh, my adult son wasn't mad, thankfully. Um, you know, when you have kids with an FASD and you have older adult children, relationships can be really tricky. This can put a strain on those family relationships. I know that firsthand. But thankfully, my son was, you know, he wasn't upset about it. He was just mainly concerned about you know, how did he get in? Because we lock all of the doors. So I, I don't know how he got in. And of course, he was worried because he, they've got a puppy and they've got um, three cats that all stay inside. And he just wanted to make sure the animals were like not let out or anything. So I was mortified. Our sons had never done anything like that before. Um, apparently, he was having a really productive day. And uh, 
So I took him next door to my older son's house to find out, you know, how did he get in? Show me how you got in. And I wanted to check on the cats and the puppy and all of that. So apparently the back door had been inadvertently left unlocked. There were no signs of breaking and entering, just entering, right? Um, He went in through an unlocked door. All the animals were still safely inside, Um, you know, not a problem. Of course, you know, we always ask the question, why did you do that? Um, And when I asked my son, you know, why did you go in your brother's house while he was at work? And he said, I I was just checking on the new puppy. So, you know, basically, as he was riding his bike home from town, passing his brother's house, he thought of the puppy and impulsively decided to pay the puppy a visit, never stopping to think that he should wait until later uh, when his brother was home. Um, you know, he didn't stop to weigh out if this was a good idea or a bad idea, if it was right or wrong, or if it was against the law or anything. The idea popped into his head and he just did it. That's impulsivity. Now, imagine if the neighbor was not my adult son. It would have been considered a crime. And he, he was physically 16 years old at the time. Though with FAS, he's like cognitively and emotionally more like seven. Um, Gosh, the older our kids get, especially through these teen years, the more dangerous impulsivity can be. You know, so what do we do if our kids have an FASD, whether it's diagnosed or not? Um, And like I said, impulsivity is also a symptom of childhood trauma. So whether you know it's an FASD or not, um, if you are parenting a kid from a hard place, foster care, kinship, adoption, impulsivity is probably something you're dealing with. So what do we do to keep our kids safe and out of trouble? Well, I have two things, prevent and prepare. I think the most important accommodation is prevention. We, as parents and caregivers, must anticipate trouble and try to prevent it. Put plans in place to try to prevent trouble. For example, I used to leave my car keys in my car. We live out in the country on a lot of acres. We have a long driveway. Um, Really, nobody ever comes up here or around here. Um, And since I can never find my keys in my purse, (laughs) I'd leave them in the car to save time looking for them so I could get to places on time. But once my son took his, you know, now infamous bike ride to town, um, which was something I never expected him to do, I now keep my keys in my purse and my purse in a safe spot. Um, And anything dangerous is locked up. Uh, If you're familiar with the FASD Family Life podcast, my friend Robbie Seal keeps her purse um, and her valuables locked up, and she keeps the keys to those locks on a lanyard on her wrist, uh, or maybe it's around her neck, but, um, you know, in an effort to try to prevent money and other things from going missing, she locks it all up and she keeps the keys on her person, Right. I know parents who use security cameras in their house to prevent, um, you know, and to to make sure that teen, their teen boys with FASD 
are not going near younger kids at night or any time during the day. Um, and some lock up medications and sharp knives. And it's an effort to keep everybody safe, especially our kiddos with the FASD. Also, passwords on all electronic devices are crucial to keep our kids safe from the dangers of the internet. And you know what I learned? Don't forget about your smart TV. My son does not have access to YouTube. Um, it is way too easy to access porn on YouTube, but even easier to access YouTube on a smart TV. Mm -hmm. So we have to sort of anticipate these things and put safety measures in place. We have to prevent as best we can. You know, it's impossible to perfectly prevent every problem that impulsivity can cause. But prevention will certainly help avoid some trouble. Um, but it puts the onus on us as parents and caregivers to sort of be a step ahead of them at all times, just to prevent um, those opportunities um, and ultimately to keep them safe because our kids are not necessarily able to make those safety decisions and weigh out this is safe, this isn't, this is a good idea, this is a bad idea. They're not, their brains are really not able to do it. They're not wired to be able to do it. They're sort of like, you know, there's faulty wiring going on there. So prevent. The other one is prepare for trouble in advance. That's another accommodation like prevention. It can help avoid worse outcomes. I know parents of a teenage son who have visited their local police station with a picture of their son, his you know name and identification, and some literature about FASD. There are some great resources on the Proof Alliance website and the FASD United website, and um, just literature designed for the criminal justice system, alerting the police before there's a problem. Letting them know, you know, the police department in your town, letting them know your child has a developmental disability. What FASD is and how it presents in your child can be a huge safety net in the event that, um, you know, they're, they are impulsive or they impulsively do something like ride their bike to town and trouble finds them along the way, right? Um, my soul sister, Natalie Vecchione, has a police information card that you can print out, fill it in with your child's information on it, your contact information. Um, there's a couple little short statements about FASD. You can laminate it and have your teen carry it in their wallet or, you know, in their pocket or whatever, um, just in case they were to get in trouble or stopped by the police or questioned, um, not that they're necessarily going to remember to give it to the police, um, but at least it would be on them and, you know, hopefully found, um, you know, by those who would need to know and understand. Um, I recently actually learned that the sunflower is the international symbol for special needs. Uh, when traveling or flying, a sunflower lanyard alerts airport personnel that the individual has a developmental disability. These are even available at airports. Um, you can check out your airport um, website. You can order them online. 
Um, but, you know, maybe a sunflower lanyard with that police information card tucked into it, um, a little something about FASD, you know, kind of like when you have a, a medical ID bracelet along those lines, that might be helpful. Um, now, of course, it's another story if we can get our kids to wear a lanyard or carry the card in their wallet or whatever, but, you know, we can at least try. It might be effective. It might be some way to, you know, pre prepare or prevent um, problems from happening or at least worsening. Now, because my son has fetal alcohol syndrome, he's actually diagnosed, we are now in the process of applying for services in our state. We live in New York State, and here that is called OPWDD. It's the Office for Persons with Developmental Disabilities. It is a long process, uh, but once he has OPWDD, he will be officially labeled as a person with a developmental disability which can help in the event that he has encounters with the law. Um, but it also provides lifelong funding for services and programs that, um, you know, he will need his whole life um, in order to be successful. So I would, um, you know, recommend that you look into um, those kinds of things. Um, these services vary by state, um, you know, so you'd have to find out what's going on in your state. But especially if you have or can get an FASD-related diagnosis, it can open doors to services and programs and help with legal system interactions um, because our kids don't necessarily look like they have a disability. FASD is an invisible disability. So this kind of identification, I know nobody likes the word label, um, but if, if, it's, if that identification um, is is with your child, it can be very helpful in times of trouble because then there's an understanding that this is an individual with a developmental disability, not, you know, a troubled teenager, you know, just because of rebellion or disobedience or whatever. Um, so yeah, prevention and preparation, two huge accommodations that we as parents and caregivers can implement in our efforts to help keep our impulsive kids safe. What do you do in the way of prevention and preparation? I would love to hear from you. Let me know your ideas and your tricks, so to speak, to help keep your kids safe. Email me at um, Sandra Flack at justicefororphansny.org and I would love to read what you do um, or if you have a question or a suggestion, um, always, always love to hear feedback from our listeners. So um, please reach out. Let me know what you're doing, um, you know, or if you have some questions, uh, we're here to support you and to help you um, and to learn from each other. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I hope you feel encouraged and better equipped for your parenting journey today. Uh, and for help along the way, be sure to check out our website for resources for foster adoptive and kinship caregivers, our Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community, our Intro to FASD Lunch and Learns that are free, 
and our facets workshops coming up in the new year are all available on our website at justicefororphansny.org. We've got links to everything in the show notes for this episode. And for a signed copy of my award-winning book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father, you can visit my personal website, sandraflack.com. There you will be able to learn more about me, read my blog specifically for adoptive foster and kinship caregivers, and contact me for speaking and training opportunities. And of course, you can grab my book wherever you get your books. Um, Leave me a review on Amazon if you grab it there. If you'd like a signed copy, order it from my website. Uh, Again, that's sandraflack.com. Also, always like to give a big shout out to our business sponsors, Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, National Bank of Kuksaki, and Cullman Insurance Agency. These businesses care about children and families in crisis, and they help us at JFO do what we do. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to let us know by subscribing and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know so that they can listen to the show and be encouraged and equipped too. Be sure to find and follow Justice for Orphans on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also follow me, Sandra Flack, in both places as well. I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.